da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Well, it's time to flash back to early middle school here on Mad About Movies. And for Richard and I, that was a extremely awkward time. And for Brian? Yeah, probably where I peaked, honestly. <laughs> yeah, this movie's about All down how from awkward 8th grade is. Brian was like, I haven't seen anything. It was the best year yeah. of my life. Uh, just crushed. Just crushed for 8th grade. But ninth grade, not so great. Not so great. Yes. Um, well, Bo Burnham has captured that glorious year mm-hmm. right before high school that no one really ever cares about or talks about again. Um, usually you talk about freshman year in high school, you talk about middle school a little bit, but eighth grade is definitely one of the um, more, I guess, least appreciated years of life, most forgettable, most sure. forgetted, most overlooked years of life maybe, yeah. but um, definitely a transitional time for a lot of people and um leave it to none other than Bo burnham himself Mm. to bring it to life on screen um the scarecrow man yes crazy Bo. well i'm excited to talk about this one this one's been out for a while and um just kind of got wide release a little bit wider hopefully most people have seen it that are listening i know a lot of our vips have which we will hear from them a little bit later on what they thought so thank you to them. And um, we had a good time talking big last week, Richard, uh, in the yeah, VIP. It was bigly. It mm. was just Richard and I um, rehearsing chopsticks for 30 minutes. But it was good. It was, <laughs> it was a duet. We nailed it. Yeah. By the end, we almost had it. We did. And heart and soul was was glorious as well. Which you know that part. That heart. Because you were a professional keyboard player and I play, <laughs> I play piano. So it was actually kind of sad that we were both, it took us an hour. Yeah, and it half. was. Yeah. Well, the you're math kicked in pretty hard by then. So. You're doing it with your feet. It's a little different. It's way different. <laughs> oh, you were using your feet? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's well. big, bro. Come on. <laughs> took a different route. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a good time. You can catch our uh, review of Big from 1988 in honor of its 30 years. Um, Celebrating that in the VIP at uh, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. And uh, I think you guys are talking Mask of Zorro this week in the VIP. So We are. We are. The Speaking of overlooked, underappreciated, Mask of Zorro. That tells Throwback. me that that's going to be a good episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, something tells me that uh, – <laughs> never mind. Um <laughs> Check yeah, check that on the VIP. Um, Richard and, and Brian talked Zorro, and it was great. I can vouch for that. I have edited it, and um, good stuff. Good stuff for them. All right, we got a lot to talk about here. If you're joining us for the first time, I am Kent. I'm joined by Brian and Richard. They're my normal uh, co-hosts, aficionados, film geeks, and we like to do it this way. First, we'll talk movie news, rumors, rumblings. We'll get into our movie of the week a little bit later with a special guest. And we'll wrap up things tonight, today, this morning, with our patented weekly recommends. Patent pending, actually, weekly Mm. recommends. So, in the vein of movie news, rumors, rumblings, guys, there are several ways we can go uh, with this. But I think we should start off with a little bit of casting news that's dropped that we haven't got to talk about on the show. 
Some of it old, some of it new, some of it breaking. Some of it, uh, I think, a little bit in the rumbling category. But we can start off with something that has been confirmed, which is Alec Baldwin and Joaquin Phoenix are doing a Joker standalone movie with Joaquin as the Joker and um, Alec Baldwin as Thomas Wayne or Bruce Wayne's father. And uh, so that's all we know so far. I'm assuming it's some kind of prequel movie of how Joker got to become the Joker instead of... This is like a test for me, man. I'm so out on Joker, and then this is just like, how can we get Richard kind of interested in this? Oh, Joaquin and Baldwin? Done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on... Bob De Niro, too, and Zazie Beetz, and Mark Maron's going to have a place in this. It's interesting, I guess. I think uh, this is going to be pretty awesome um if you ask me who my number one choice to play joker would be it'd probably be joaquin um he he's got that thing that you need he said he's pretty terrified of playing the joker but he's gonna do it and um to all the people that are saying why joaquin why um he literally said quote i don't care what anyone thinks unquote (laughs) I think so, that's pretty much uh, what he says yeah, when he wakes yeah, up yeah. in the morning. So it's pretty awesome. Good. Like the dude is so confident in what he does. He goes. He he's, I love him he so much. He's my favorite actor. He he is. Um, he's on an, another level in a lot of more ways than one, I should say. But um, I'm excited for that. A lot of people rolled their eyes at that. I'm way more stoked and in on that than I am on the Jared Leto going down that path again with Harley Quinn and doing that. There's whole no thing. way that made right. That'll oh, it is up. getting made. Um, for now, there was also two. Sure. Oh, I guess released. Would you might? Because there was also two Jungle Book movies at one point. Yeah, I guess it's a race on who gets it. Yeah, out first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the it's same much, studio, so that's Is weird. It? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like we have one property people care about, but if one has has Joaquin and and Alec Baldwin and Robert De Niro and all the aforementioned peeps, and the other has Jared Leto, uh, unless it's a. 30 seconds to Mars video, I think we know which one we're rooting for. Yeah. No, I'd like to see Joaquin do 30 seconds for Mars, too. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> Me too. I'd be all in on that. Pretty much anything Jared Leto's ever done, I'd rather see Joaquin do it. Mm-hmm. Question here. You think they go the R-rated route with this? Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Uh, I, I think... don't think they will. I think they learned that lesson with Suicide Squad. I think it'll be a hard PG-13, but I think they'll do what it takes to get there. No, I think they could... I think you could with the right setting. Have they announced a director? I don't think they have. Yeah, have they? It's Todd yeah, Phillips. Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. Okay. Um, yeah. um, I was going to say, if they had a more gritty director behind it, somebody with yeah. a little more dramatic background. Not seen. Maybe you could go R and just kind of pull a Logan or a Deadpool and I just kind of go in, you know, do it. I don't know. It's tough. My guess the is they do go. Yeah, I, I, my guess is they go R-rated just because if we know anything about uh, Warner Brothers, it's that they're very reactive and they don't think things through. So I, I feel like the lesson that they will take from Logan and Deadpool and Deadpool Two is, oh, if you make it R-rated, it's awesome and people will love that. And it has nothing to do with the fact that those are good movies as compared to your right. other movies. Yeah, I agree with that's... you, Brian. I think that is the rating thing is so overrated. You can make a good Joker movie at PG thirteen. Sure. You can make a Joker movie. At R, just make a good movie and figure it out. If if you're close, then I would say probably make a few cuts and make it PG-13 to give it the bigger audience. But mm-hmm. if you have a good script that's a hard R, then make that. Like, but just don't. I wouldn't worry about it. 
You know what I mean? It's just like Deadpool doesn't prove that R-rated superhero movies work. It proves that good superhero movies work no matter what the rating is. So, like, (laughs) if it's entertaining, it'll be fine. Sure. Totally agree. I think they go with... I think they go with the Jared Leto version as the kid kid version and they try something completely different with the walking thing and throw, you know, something against the wall and maybe people like it, maybe they don't, but I think they know their money sadly is in the Suicide Squad stuff and the merchandising and all of that, you know, we've Gosh. walked by a hot topic and <laughs> that's all you need to know. So yeah, I'm down for both. I think the Joaquin one will be grittier, more adult and i think they'll still do the other one for everybody else and that'll be fine but i'm all in i'm all in on that i think that's great um had the had the suicide squad thing never happened this would have been a great way to transition the joker from heath ledger to him it just feels kind of a weird stepping stone with the with the way they went down with um suicide squad so that's confirmed i guess yeah, confirmed yeah. for most for the most part. Um, we've got maybe more in the rumbling category, somewhat confirmed. We've got Emma Stone starring in a Cruella Deville movie prequel about young Cruella Deville from the 101 Dalmatians. I don't know if this is um, part of their plan, Disney's plan to just remake every movie that they've ever done. Um, mm-hmm. Dalmatian, they already did do a live action 101 Dalmatians. I think this is going to be just maybe like Maleficent, but with Corella DeVille. Um, but I do think Emma Stone is a good choice to do that. Um, I can see her in that role and it could be very fun. But uh, I don't think we talked about that on the show. Thoughts? Impressions? She, I don't it should be noted she left. Greta Gerwig is remaking Little Women right now with a big star-studded Meryl Streep <sighs> cast. Um, and she dropped out of that. And is replaced by Emma Watson. So, ugh. Um, and <laughs> the double do, is doing this um, Cruella movie, I believe, instead. So, I don't know. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's uh, want to do. Don't like Greta Gerwig or working with her. I don't know about what that is, but um, but I don't know. I think it's uh, I think it's a great idea to have Emma Stone involved in um, what they're doing there. Yeah, I like I like the cast. The casting decision. I, lo- I love Emma Stone. I don't know that I need that movie, but that doesn't no. matter. You know, that's uh, our our desire to see a live action Cruella Deville or lack of desire there, and it doesn't matter at all. That's just so, that's the path a, that they're uh, on, and we're going to get every one of these movies. It's, it's the Disney thing. It's like you, you don't need this, but we're just going to do it so well. It's the yeah. Lion King. We don't need a live action Lion King at all. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't need a live action Jungle Book. Those are fine films and in, in animated form. And they're just like, too bad. You're getting it, and you're gonna like it because we're gonna make it. We're <laughs> right. gonna make it. Oh, awesome. I saw Beauty and the Beast, and that's yeah. fair. That was that's gosh, fair. that was so bad. Like the more <laughs> I that that rages my my blood boils when I think of <laughs> little town. There's a quiet, and you're just like, oh no, <laughs> for yeah. the next two hours. Oh man, that was bad. Almost a shot. It's almost like the Gus Van Sant Psycho. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> There's it, literally nothing new about it. It's like a shot by shot remake. And everything that is new is bad. Uh, so was, true. Josh Woo. or Josh Gad though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and your boyfriend Luke Evans. Yeah, as well. I'm down for yeah. that. Solid. Luke Evans was solid. solid. He was the most solid Just, part yeah. of that. Oh, and everything. Needed, solid biceps too. Yeah. Gosh, Just needed to have a lead a lot with. Of man. Some charisma. Here's a question: Do we 
this is, in, in my opinion, in the category of definitely don't need uh, Maleficent two. No, they're doing that. Yeah, yeah, don't need that, but it made bank. <laughs> so, okay, definitely gonna happen. Is right? there no one in the in? I guess I mean they're in the, if they're in the business of making money, there's literally no yeah. one in there. It's like guys. No. no one cares. Yeah, let's someone move, is. Someone's like, else. hey, no one cares about this, please. Let's and then someone else is like, Hey, that movie made seven hundred and sixty million dollars, so we're gonna make that movie that movie again. We're just gonna keep them rolling. You gotta you gotta do some for it's it's the one for you, one for me sort of thing, right? Like it's we're gonna put out a couple so, of these people are really gonna enjoy. We're gonna put out a couple that are just gonna cash and it doesn't really matter if they enjoy them or not because at some they point at some point they're not going to make money, though. I mean, yeah, at some sure. point, and people you, aren't going to okay. care. It's going to be solo. Yeah. You know, it's going right. to be like, okay, we don't right. care. Stop. You know. Yeah. And that's when you cut bait. Yeah. It's Maleficent, if Maleficent two. two market makes cash. Then you say, okay, Maleficent three. When's that coming out? All right, cool. Snow White and Huntsman two. Awesome. Yeah. Gosh. That's what this reeks of. Oh. Yeah. All right. I like Snow White and Huntsman. Come at I me. I did, but not a second one. <laughs> no, I don't. It's not totally, totally unnecessary. Um, so that's all happening. And let's see here. Speaking of Disney, um, a little more details have emerged for Disney's streaming service that they're going to be launching oh, yeah? pretty soon. Um, Bob Iger or Bobby Gare, I like to call him. Mm. Um, I just call him Bob. For Bon Iver. In our, in our text messages. I just say, hey, Bob. How's it going, man? Yeah. Best um, buddies. When you're the official podcast well, you, of Star Wars. The amount of money you give him every year. Yeah, yeah it's the yeah, least you can do. With the Disney, yeah. call <laughs> should, Disney yeah, season pass and all the, all the uh, times you go to Disney Quest a year is <laughs> keeping that place open. Well, um, Bob Iger has said, I think he leaked or slipped that it's going to be called Disney Play. And um, he said I also... the Apple thing, okay. And he's also going to be cheaper than Netflix is what he said. But right. obviously interesting going to be a lot less content than Netflix. And um, as part of the deal, they're pulling all their content off Netflix, which if you've noticed, all the most recent Disney movies are all on Netflix. All the most recent Star Wars and Marvel movies. I'm assuming yeah. Avengers will be on there very soon. Age of, sure. um, of Infinity War. So, um, so when all that content leaves Netflix, it's going to go straight to their service which will have um, obviously all their movies, and they're going to exclusively stream all their upcoming movies on that service next year. They've got Frozen 2, Toy Story 4, um, another Star Wars, of course, and uh, the Marvel movies and everything else. So that'll be the exclusive home for that, Disney Play, assuming around 5 to $7 a month for that. Um, if they include Perfect. maybe you know their entire catalog of movies, Mm-hmm. Disney Channel shows that they own the rights to, right? Uh, back catalogs, you know, like I don't know, Saturday morning cartoons that we used to watch or something like that for your kids that your kids could do. I just want something to watch Ed on, right, Brian? <laughs> one of these, one of these streaming services. I know it's the music, man. That's the problem. It's the music rights that kill fun. Ed. I blame yeah. Dave Grohl. I just want Ed. <laughs> if Bob Iger could give me Ed, I'm, I'm in. I mean, you got you can find it, but it's like a VHS converted to CD or a DVD, and it's it's illegal. You know? I thought a good Onion article would be. I've been thinking of good Onion articles this week, as you both know. But uh, another good one would be is that Trump hires Ed as his new in-house counsel. 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> bowling, the bowling alley lawyer. Uh, like no, I'm in on the Disney thing. It's it's crazy that it doesn't exist yet. Yeah, totally. It's like nuts. They feel so late to this party. Yeah, and yeah. they'll be fine. They'll still make a ton of money. But it's like, it's crazy to me that that is yeah. not a thing. So See, and they they have can I don't know if you know they have a kind of um they have a bridge app right now between because they pulled all their stuff off Netflix that's not movie. So all the TV shows, all the kids shows and things like that that were on Netflix and whatnot, they took all of those off which was a killer in my house because that's like mm-hmm. you know all we watch with the kid um and then right afterwards they're like hey everything's on and alone without right, the kid. obviously uh but right afterwards they're like well everything is on this app called disney now and uh you can it's a free app but like you can only watch certain shows and certain like number of this is separate from disney stuff. channel correct yeah disney so Channel's so app. Right, right. Okay. Yes, yes. So, but all of their stuff is there. I'm talking probably, I don't know, 150 or more uh, Disney Channel, Disney XD shows and things like that. There's not very many movies on there or anything like that yet. But you can, it's free, but you can only access certain ones if you don't have a cable login. So if you have a, uh, any sort of cable or satellite login, you can get access to all of it, which is which is a nice stepping stone because like Phineas and Ferb is the best kids tv show cartoon of all time it's it's the goat it's incredible and that is a staple around uh around our household and for a while it was like well we're not going to even be able to watch phoenix and ferb this super sucks because that's literally like we watch that every single night before coop goes to bed um so you can get it now on on this disney now app but it's a terrible app like its Mm -hmm. functionality is really bad and it signs you out of your uh, like, like your login constantly and you have to go through like the whole it's not like an easy I'll just put in your password information it's like do the identify street signs 12 times and that kind of crap I mean it's a terrible app it doesn't keep track of like where you are like Netflix you know will immediately start the next episode the next time you sign in yeah. um, it, it doesn't do any of that stuff so it's like it's a very poorly designed dysfunctional app um, that's like and it seems like they they're just like, hey, just hang on until we can get this new thing off yeah. the ground. But it's to your point, crazy. Richard, it's, it's crazy that they haven't develop. done it yet. Yeah, yeah. it's all I mean, it's, I mean, it's a big, it's a big deal. I mean, it's a, no, it's it a hundred plus million dollar it, investment it, just to yeah. just for the to build the app, and then it totally is. It has it to be five years ago, right? That's, it has to be in this market. It has to be great the first time around. Or people like if it's hard to navigate, if it doesn't work, you know, if it's if people don't get it, if it has an interface that is confusing. If you're, if you're, you're yeah, but if you're freaking Disney and you have the right, if you can tell people, come watch all Marvel, Star Wars, and Disney films. They couldn't do that. I think they had signed away those through 2019 anyway. So that's what they've been kind of waiting okay. on is to be able okay. to pull their content because see that makes more sense. I wait on the app because yeah, I don't think a, it matters if it's janky as crap, as long as it has the content, which is what they've done now. Like Brian said is yeah. everything we've got here. It is, but, um, everything right. that they have movies wise, as well as, um, upcoming releases are going to be first on there. I'm sure it's going to be like the timing is going to be, crazy too it'll probably as soon as it's out of the theaters it'll be on the app you know it'll be on uh, you don't have to wait for it to come out on blu-ray or whatever for it to be on the app it'll be a great way for them to get subscribers people that want to watch the movies immediately you know you sign up and maybe do the trial or whatever and i can see that working really well at the start 
whether it'll last, I don't know. I don't know if people want to pay $9.99 a month for that, whether than just buy a few Disney movies that their kid likes and just rotate those out. Uh, that's that's the only thing that I'm hesitant on is what all these other services offer is so much more than mm-hmm. just one property. I guess you could compare it probably closest to you know the Showtime app, the HBO Nows, the standalone CBS app, um, the yeah. ones that are just one product and one product only, and that's all you get. The ESPN app as well. Um, Anytime CBS is ahead of you in, in technological development, it's <laughs> mm-hmm. you might be a couple years late to the party. But they'll, I mean, they'll be fine. It's not like it matters with Disney. Yeah. Disney will make money. If they choose to launch this app in 2025, they're fine. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it is just weird they haven't. Yeah. They weren't. But it'll be awesome. It, you know, their their whole bit is the last, uh, really since the Marvel acquisition, is really high, obviously with some Beauty and the Beast type missteps, but super high quality mass entertainment. And I expect this app will mm-hmm. fit with that brand. Yeah. Yeah, they need to get it right. They're, they're strangely behind a lot on technology stuff. Like, they're the app that you use when you're in the parks or in the resorts and stuff going to Disney world or Disneyland or whatever is a crappy app. And some of the technological stuff that they do, like I, we, I have, we have friend, a friend who has, who interviewed for a job there at one point a couple of years ago and the, and just came away very unimpressed with both the, the offer and also like what they were doing in house and stuff like that. And on the technological side. And so it's a weird, it's like, they're so they've, they've cornered the market like you're saying richard on the entertainment side of things and have really kind of i i it's i don't know if it's a struggle or just like huh we didn't really even think about making that part good you know what i mean it's like it's like the the, the app thing it's like that just dawned on them last year like oh maybe we should have our own streaming app i bet people would pay for that you know maybe we it's, should it's, do our it's own very not sell our content to people they were making right. a killing in content I mean, yeah. they were making like billions a year and just the rights to have their content out there, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a business for them, but they they can be reaping the benefits of the future. I think that's the long-term goal. Plus, you so, can package it with ESPN Plus, bro, because you guys right, both subscribe could. to the Plus, right? No, I don't. Um, <laughs> what? I do not have that. Ivy League football, bro, and boxing. <laughs> they do. They have cricket. So, all right. Um, just to put it in perspective a little bit in terms of subscribers, when we're talking about streaming services, um, I have a few numbers here, some updated numbers on subscriber base. And if you guys were to ballpark um, completely, don't Google, don't cheat, how many subscribers would you think Netflix has? I know this, actually. It's, uh, well, Brian, you guess, and then I'll, I'll tell you. Um, man, I did see this recently, and I, I, it was, it was less than I would have thought. Uh, I'm gonna say worldwide or domestic. I have both. So, gosh, I would say, I don't know, seventy million. Okay, it's, I would say, I'd say like 120 million ish, hundred to 150 million. That's big. I'll say 100 to 120 million, and because I know their number, they make like a billion dollars a month in revenue. Mm-hmm. So that's why they just make everything because mm-hmm. they can do that. They can they, make a, um, a billion dollar movie or show a month, and 
and be okay. Right. It's crazy. So um, I, I guess this is pretty recent. This is an article from this year. So uh, courtesy of Variety, by the way. And uh, 130.1 million subscribers wow. for Netflix, uh, 56 million in the U.S. Wow. Um, to put that in perspective, Amazon Prime Video is next on the list with 100 million subscribers. <laughs> and only 30 million of those know they have Amazon yeah. Prime. <laughs> uh, they just think they're paying for million, shipping for- 20, 26 million domestically uh, in the U.S., Amazon Prime Video. I say I probably watch something on there once a month. Yeah, I'll watch it. But it's because of something that I need to watch for the podcast that I don't have on anything else. And I read, I rent all my movies through there. Like if something's not on streaming, that's my go-to. Dollar on there, it's really great. Yeah, it's way. I like it more than iTunes. Hulu, um, twenty million subscribers. So they're only one hundred and ten million behind Netflix. Getting close. Getting close. Getting close. I love Hulu. The new the new interface design is awesome. Plus, they have the only thing I care about. As you guys know, I've retired from television. Um, I had a good run. So I just watch Seinfeld and 30 Rock and Parks, and they have all three of those. And so I'm good. That's the only if That's I had why to I quit, own them. That's why I would be the last. made sure and uh, got the uh, physical Seinfelds. Free. I, just, I, just, yeah, I know, but I can just... I click two buttons, and I'm just – I got Seinfeld going all day in the background. It's beautiful. It's truly – and no commercials. You guys familiar with Plex Correct. at all? I think you are. I'm on Plex constantly. That's my number one streaming service. Live on Plex. Um, that's where I see all the Beethovens. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard of Plex in my life. I'm totally bluffing. What's Plex? Plex is what I use to organize my – movies like oh the, yeah 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 that's, yeah. that's another that's conversation but about you, like you need to do you need to do a vip show like video content and show mm-hmm. people how you do that i think people would be i'm would be interested in so doing what brian's talking about right. is it's been a project for about a year of getting rid of my physical media movies and converting digitizing them hard drive the whole deal so um, I'm able to like I have an app on my Apple TV that I click and it's so basically cool. it's like, like Netflix, Netflix. F- but it's all the movies that I have, you know, and um, I mean, it's as much space as I want to pay for a hard drive, you know, to store it. And so it's a pretty great solution. And, and I think you're right, Brian, maybe I will go into more detail, but that's another it's another way. But I spend most of my time honestly watching stuff that I own, like old uh, office episodes, The Simpsons, things like that, old movies. Um rather than seeking out new stuff because I'm freaking lazy. Um, so YouTube premium has a premium service, 1.5 million subscribers. Um, Facebook watch claims 2 billion users worldwide. Well, <laughs> I've never seen it. I don't even know how to get to that. Yeah. And I mean, it's just everyone that uses Facebook is a Facebook watch. Right. Subscriber, Facebook watch. Like- their platform is facebook.com. That's there's no app. There's nothing. <laughs> it's just the videos are on Facebook. And um, that's pretty much it. Well, if we go to if we go to the more isolated ones, the, the CBS All Access, two point five million people subscribe to that. Two point five million subscribe to Showtime. Five plus million subscribe to HBO Now, which is that's the standalone surprising. HBO. That's uh, shocking. It's that low. I would think. I would have thought they'd be up near Hulu. Well, HBO Go. And HBO Now is like 55 million. Oh, okay. But just so the Now are... is the standalone. 
you yeah. pay nine bucks for HBO. Uh, that's I'm uh, surprised that's, more people haven't switched that as the right cord cutting's gone. I'm I'm surprised that now is that much lower than Go. But but what do I know? I'm just a dumb third wheel podcaster. It's only been out for like two years. Five million is pretty pretty decent. I thought it would have been lower, honestly. Um, and we know Brian, um, stars three million. Mm-hmm. You yeah, only watch gotta stars. watch. Gotta watch Power and Ballers. That Ballers is HBO. What's the, no? It's uh, uh, Billions, right? Billions. No, that's on Showtime, yeah. right? Me and the Ringer guys. We just watch, we're the only yeah, ones. Yeah, are big watch pivots, Billions. So yeah. That's it. That's all we're into. Yeah. One What's more, the man streaming service doing? How many? How many have we brought in? We're doing pretty well. Let me just say, okay. doing pretty it's well. Good. I don't want to coming for you, say. Hulu. Yeah. yeah let's all just right. say we're in the millions. Um, <laughs> speaking of streaming services, um, if you're not into the whole Disney streaming thing, if you're more on the other side of the coin, if you grew up a Nickelodeon kid like I did, um, mm-hmm. there's actually was announced today streaming service for Nickelodeon shows. Um, throwback Nickelodeon called Nick Splat. It's on VRV, the app, and it's five dollars a month. And they have all the old Nick shows: Doug, uh, Rocco's Modern Life, Clarissa, Keenan and Kel, all that. All the old um, shows that we grew up on in the '90s are all on there, and it's five dollars for that um, to access that content. So that could be a fun like two months, you know, spend ten bucks and rewatch all the, that old content. I think that'd be pretty fun. For a lot of people, I don't know why Nickelodeon doesn't have a channel that's just looping that content. I think that would be easy money for them, right? Just looping the old Legends of the Hidden Temples and yeah. uh, all that. I think they could easily make money and not have to think about the programming at all aspect of it. But good stuff, good stuff for movie news. Good catch up uh, to see what's going on in the streaming world. We'll have to mm-hmm. see about that Disney play. It's coming. It's definitely the. Uh kind of the, the the lurking giant in that in that well, field. You know what I I um I didn't even mention lurking giant. We've got Apple that is mm. releasing a, a service in the next yeah. year. Yeah. This could be the one that has potential to be to compete with the Netflix with the reach that they have. I'm surprised I mean, to do doing that separately. Yeah, the Apple piece is interesting, but it's also like that would almost be interesting. I'm sure they've had conversations, but there's been so much synergy between the the Jobsian and the Disneyan worlds that I'm surprised they're not like co-launching it together. Like let's hook sure. everyone in with the Disney mm-hmm. content and then we'll, we'll build original content co-branded with Apple and Disney. Cause those two companies have, have always partnered up. Um, but yeah, the Apple one will be interesting. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it, you know, b- building that app into people's phones and, tablets and apple tvs and computers mm-hmm. and all that is is interesting apple's one struggle has always been not always been the last 10 years has been kind of like browser related content right because all their stuff is so ingrained into the hardware of the devices that mm-hmm. to do something kind of viewable like a netflix or something is kind of out of their comfort zone they but, suck at like yeah the music app the podcast app they're all crap like they right because yeah. they were they were so hard in on that iTunes model mm-hmm. and it was great I mean it was totally was the bridge between the tangible and the digital and then the the streaming companies all came out of nowhere and I think I don't think they saw that coming because they had no infrastructure to handle that internally you know right. uh, the Spotify's and the Netflix's and all those all those really streamable content worlds yeah, absolutely 
They've got a billion dollars committed to spending on content. They've got a Damien Chazelle series that's uh, been ordered a series already. Um, they've got Oprah Winfrey under contract to do a series. Um, Apple's one to watch. Is that sure. Oprah from Oprah or is that the other Oprah? It's uh, <laughs> Oprah from uh, Color Oprah Purple, from the O actress. Magazine. Yeah. Oh, the o-, o Magazine Oprah. Gotcha. Right. Good. right. Or the, um, the one from that movie this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Wrinkle in Time. Mm-hmm. Wrinkle in that, Time. That Oprah? Okay. <laughs> That's the only thing I know her Wow, I hadn't thought of that <laughs> since the second I walked out of doing this yeah. podcast. Pretty yeah. sure it'll come up at the end of the year, but sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, it will. Probably on my list, that's for sure. Yeah, man, that's that's one to watch for sure. Um, they definitely have Richard's favorite, which is um, Carpool Karaoke. He only watches <laughs> that, so instant subscribe. I love Carpool Karaoke, but, but here's what's weird about it. Uh, I only like Carpool Karaoke with Craig Ferguson. Mm-hmm, same. Yes. Yeah, I'm a- yeah, I died. Or when um, Conan and Andy used to just drive their desk around. That was my favorite. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. That was a great fit. I think NBC took all their bits. I know, man. It's the worst. They could still be doing that. Self satisfied fair. Yeah. (laughs) What's the one where he had like the cutouts? Oh, I could say it on the show. He had the cutouts of the faces. Yeah, you see the mouth. Robert Sligo would do the mouth. do that. Conan. Yeah. If they mated, that was always one of my favorites. Yeah, I like the masturbating bear. Strong. Remember him? Self-satisfied bear. Yeah, okay. sorry. Right. My bad. Well, let's move on. Talk about eighth grade and Bill Burnham with a special guest. Boom. Awesome. So to talk eighth grade, we are joined by our friend, Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Hey, guys. Glad to be here. Actually in the eighth grade. I'm a little older than that. Like that was more my, than half my life ago. The terms of my parole are pretty explicit about <laughs> Skyping with eighth graders. So I have to be... I have to be <laughs> there. I'm 33. I'm 33. Uh, well I, out of that. I, well I'm past that. Okay. Yeah. Right. Such a relief because the I was, NSA was closing in. <laughs> yeah, there were cops outside my place. Whew, that's tough. All right, cool, awesome. Well, welcome, welcome to Thank the show. Um, a few questions for you before we get started. We just want to get to know you a little bit. Um, what is your favorite movie? Um, I think my favorite movie would be a toss-up between Love Actually and Whiplash. I know those are like Ooh. polar opposite nice. movies, good, but good. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Whiplash is working its way up my list with every viewing. It, it might be up there in the top ten um, when it's all said and done in my um, in my mind. I, I love that one and I uh, love Actually. Haven't heard that one much, but I can't um, can't argue there. But let me ask you this: Have you seen MacGruber? Yes, actually, Ooh, it was my homework. Wow. Yeah, for getting on the pod, I, I knew I was like, "All right, oh, me this." That's so exciting. So it's fresh in your brain. Where'd you watch I it? Mean, at? Literally, I literally watched it today. I wow. mean, I paid four dollars. So jealous of you. Gosh. I rented. I rented it on iTunes. I thought it was going to be harder to find because everybody talks about how hard it is to find, but there was iTunes. Well, never ever it's seen not it. On forever, it's not know. on any streaming <laughs> yeah. service, so that's why yeah. people consider well, that it doesn't exist. I yeah, guess. What's no, your, it was great. 
Oh, that's so nice to hear. What a so, nice thing to so say. So you're still kind what of living you, off the high of the first time seeing it? You're kind of on the cloud still? I am. I was waiting. I was like, is this going to meet my expectations or is it not going to be good? But when Ryan Phillippe did the celery trick, I was like, <laughs> okay. All right. They brought it back he did. around. He went thick Bravo. in first, too. Cause <laughs> yeah, exactly. My, it seems I mean, counterintuitive. Kind of if, you, counterintuitive, if you go thin in yeah. first, yeah. you're going to have problems. It's going to slide right out. Um, yeah, no, it was good, though. <laughs> it's glorious. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you. Um, excited to talk about this movie. This is a long time coming. A lot of requests in the VIP for this one, as well as on the main feed. And so here we are. Um, this is one that might be around later in the year in some conversations. So it seems about an appropriate time at the end of the summer, kind of transitioning our way towards award season to talk about this one. Uh, this one did very well in the... Uh, film festival circuits, I believe, Sundance. Uh, I believe it was one of the top winners, or it was recognized, I believe, at Sundance. One of the special jury winners or something like that. So, had a lot of hype. I wasn't sure how big a wide release this would get, but it got wide enough release for me to go see it. It was actually at the Angelica Theater here, um, which is a independent theater, but um, I believe it was released a little bit wider than uh, initially anticipated. So good for him. Rave reviews. The question for me was, um, I knew this was going to be funny, right? I knew 100% going in that Bo Burnham could write a script, the way he shoots things, the way his mind works. I know he could make this into a funny movie. Um, but what I didn't expect was the subtlety of the humor, the um, genuine nature of the humor, how a lot of it was inadvertent, you know, it was just things people weren't trying to make jokes per se, but it was just kind of funny mannerisms people have or funny things that were happening to people. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. It felt more like a documentary style or, um, less line by line. Here's a joke. Here's a joke. Um, what you would typically see in a comedy. So, um, it surprised me from that aspect. So I knew it was going to be funny, which it was, but just in a different way than I was expecting. And I was wondering about his skill set as a director, right? He's extremely talented as a stand-up, extremely mm -hmm. creative, but that doesn't necessarily always translate to knowing how to block a scene or knowing how to move the camera or having the right choice of music or colors or actors or anything like that. Um, but I was blown away by his direction in this movie. Um, not to say that he'll do another movie. I don't know what his desires are, but I, if he wants to, I think he could be a director only if he, if he wanted to. I think he had a great sense of what he was trying to do. I thought him putting the audience in the perspective of the protagonist was very well done in more ways than one, not only in the writing, but in the way things were kind of fleshed out and shot. And um, I was very impressed from a directorial perspective. So I was entertained by this movie, enjoyed it thoroughly, Brought back a lot of memories of when I was uh, in eighth grade, although this is set in current times, which I think is a genius move as well to kind of play off this Snapchat obsessed generation that the current generation is, which is um, pretty funny when it's uh, put on screen. But I really enjoyed this, really did. And um, it's one of my top of the year. Don't know if it's the top yet, but um, thought about it a lot since. And I was just really impressed with the simplicity of the story and the way Bo Burnham went about it. But um, Brian, what are your general thoughts on eighth grade? 
I saw this a few weeks ago, um, which I'm, I'm glad. Sometimes I like to have reviewed the movie right after I've seen it or very close. And sometimes it's I think this is a case where I, I kind of appreciate um, a little distance to be able to really let it sink in and think about it. Yeah, I'm I'm really amazed at at two things that, that Bo Burnham's direction is is so spot on. And uh, especially given, you know, this is the first thing that he's he's done as far as a, a movie goes like this. And to um, to pull that off, I think, is is really it really shows off his talent um, that I mean, he's he's a very he's a very well-rounded guy, clearly. Um, but this is like a whole nother branch of his his talent, which is is awesome. And, and so I I, thought I was very impressed with the. Uh, the level of skill there. And then obviously I thought, I thought Elsie Fisher was fantastic. And that's, that's, uh, that's great casting on, on Bo Burnham and, and company's part. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough with young actors and actresses to be able to kind of, uh, prognosticate whether or not they will be, you know, what their career is going to look like. Um, it's very, very possible that this is uh that she that this she's just so good at playing this role because it it is very authentic and organic and real life and uh we may i don't know it may, it may be a what's the kid from uh from boyhood eller coltrane L- lr right? coltrane yeah. Sure. yeah i mean we could be looking at that in a couple of years where it's like oh he's not really a very good actor he just was good at lr coltrane's uh, been that. acting hasn't he he's been in other stuff yeah but it's been boy, a couple he, things he was not. in the circle like yeah. I mean, we see him and it's in, and every time i've seen him since i've i've thought oof i don't know i i would i'm not gonna i'm not gonna buy on that but uh, i thought she would I, I thought she was fantastic in this movie and i i kind of i'm interested i'm very interested to see what her career looks like um moving forward like I said, I don't know if that's just because she uh, is playing something that is a character that that at least seems like uh, pretty authentic to who she is or if she really is that great of an actress. But there's a couple of scenes in here that are incredibly difficult that uh, I think showed off what she is capable of. So I, I hope we see more and more of her. But, but just for this movie, um, that's perfect casting. And she was she's phenomenal in that role. Um, I thought. Burnham hit the hit the right notes pretty much time and time again there maybe there's a there's a spot here or there where um it could have been uh I don't know tightened up a little but for the most part I think he he was spot on with presenting what it is like to be an eighth grader in this current you know 2018 um and that's that's like the worst year of life. I mean, it's just, that's such a horrible, miserable, awkward time in life. And, uh, and I think the, the movie showed that off incredibly well and got that, got that spot on. Um, I have rarely been, and I, I mean, this is a good thing. I was more uncomfortable and tense and nervous for the character in this movie than I usually am in like the best suspense or horror movies or, whatever uh or you know very serious dramas uh just because it is it's it's hard growing up it's hard being a preteen and a teenager especially in this era and i was like getting i don't know getting the shakes thinking about my own child that's going to be this age in a few years and what in the world is his life what what's what is the world going to look like when 
he's a few years older and what kind of crap is he going to have to be dealing with and all that sort of so uh i i think he did i don't i think uh bernard did an excellent job of really putting that out on the forefront and and making this such an organic and and real authentic feeling thing and in doing so i was much more tense in this than i than i would be in most like very serious uh suspenseful type movies i just i just wanted the best for uh just one of the best for Kayla so badly and uh and and it was a very rewarding experience uh in, in the midst of all that but uh, yeah really 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 good really what about you um Rachel yeah honestly before seeing this movie it was on my radar I'd heard good things about it but it definitely wasn't one that I had marked on my calendar that I like had to see or that I was anticipating um but from the first frame of this movie I was completely dialed in to what was was happening and I was totally captivated to the world that was being created um like like you guys were saying the acting performances were great they were so authentic the script the script was fantastic but more than so that good. So smart. yeah the script was so but not showy and but so tight realistically yeah. smart yeah yes and but more than that you could really feel the director behind the camera like Kent was saying, like yeah. the really bold music cues that he did with that synth music. I don't even it know. It felt like he was Stanley Kubrick. I hate to say that, but like this is what it felt like. Like you know that there's some kind of force behind the movement, you know? Like it felt spiritual almost. Like that, that might be a compliment, but it's just his style. I was blown away by everything. Yeah, by the music cues especially. That's a great, that's that a great point. Scarecrow. Yeah, I mean, he like busted out a keyboard from the eighties or something, oh, it was but it worked. Perfect. It was, it was, it was great. jarring. Yeah. yeah, it was totally jarring, but it fit. It fit what he was doing in the movie, how we were seeing the world through Kayla's eyes, um, and also the bold cho- choices he was making with how he shot the movie, where the camera was really tight on Kayla's face, or how it would follow really closely behind her as she walked around her school. Mm-hmm. Um, you were like Kent was saying, you were put in her shoes, and it immediately locked you into the story. Um, so another thing would be like the lean script. Like I was saying, like everything that was in the script was completely essential to the story. And there was nothing really extraneous in the script. Um, like, you know, you, you knew there that Kennedy's mom had a crush on Kayla's dad, but they didn't really make mention of it. They just assumed that you could fill in the blanks and he trusted the audience to not be dumb and just be able to fill in the blanks. He told the story he wanted to tell and he really didn't over explain, which I thought was really good. Um, and while this movie was filmed in a really specific time period, like that smartphone generation, those kids that grew up with that technology, I still feel like this story is really relatable. I feel like it's yeah, pretty it universal. Yeah, like I was nothing like Kayla in middle school. Like I wasn't really shy. I didn't get a cell phone until I was like 16 years old or something. Um, but I still felt like I could relate to her as she was <laughs> going through all these like really big life moments where you do a lot of growing up. Um, I still felt like I could relate to her and I don't even necessarily feel like you have to be a female. Um, I mean, we'll hear what you guys have to say later in the review, but yeah, I saw this we movie. Can get to the male point of view. <laughs> yeah, get to the, yeah, exactly. Get to the men here. But this um, culture is but... really the craving. <laughs> yeah. Explain this need... movie to you, Rachel. I'll tell you what yeah. it is really, but you can we really need, it. yeah, we, we need more white working. male voices. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I've been, I've um, but on the streets for but the second time I saw this movie, I saw it with my husband. And as we were driving back home, he started talking to me about 
his freshman year of high school when he was trying out for the hockey team and it was this really uncomfortable time for him. And so I feel like even for him, he was able to watch this movie and take something from it. And for me, I'm a mom. I have like a 19 month old daughter. So I'm watching this through the lens of like Brian was saying, like my daughter's going to grow up and be in eighth grade at one point. And at the same time, I'm watching it retrospectively, but I used to be in eighth grade. So I just thought basically this movie for me is pretty close to perfect. I mean, I completely love this movie. So that's what I think. Yeah. Richard, get a word in. Well, it's, uh, I'm predisposed to like this. I'm, I've been a, I, I'm so far beyond, uh, or behind most trends. As we know, I've retired from television. We talk about that, but, uh, I've been a Bo Burnham fan. Gosh, since, since like his early YouTube stuff and nice and, uh, in a big, I've listened to his couple, the records that are on Spotify, like the live concerts. I've listened to those probably weirdly, like. 300 times each like i i know every note and joke of his stand-up it's oddly re-listenable to me um and then i've seen the netflix specials a bunch of times i think he's a total genius and it's just like you know the stuff that he was doing really early on it was like super immature and silly um but like you could really see the roots of someone that's really smart and oh is by the way 18 so like let's let them be immature and silly because they're 18 years old um and now he's really evolving in his late 20s into someone because he seems really self-conscious and really self-aware uh someone that's a really interesting artist and i just think uh you know he's someone to keep an eye on on he is sort of platform agnostic i have his book egghead which is a book of poetry which is super funny and super silly and super moving and and all of those things it's it's he's a really uh i would relate him to almost like a woody allen type talent where like he can just kind of apply his and hopefully not relate him to that in his personal life but i just mean <laughs> purely in terms of like as a writer yeah, director, apply as what what are you getting at no it's yeah. <laughs> but he is that level of like if this guy churned out a really good movie yeah constantly and stand up special and wrote for the new yorker and you know uh sure did albums then i would be not surprised i think he's that level of a kind of savant um and and like woody allen it's not uh it, it he has a really particular aesthetic you know with his film it's not just a verbal medium like comedy he really has a visual and he's he is a really visual person he's directed uh not only his own stand-up specials but a lot of others he directed the chris rock special that came out this year um he, so he's a really hyper visual uh, stand up and has an eye for that. So he he is limitless to me, and it's so fun to see him really be appreciated because he, there was really no precedent in the way he came up because he came up through YouTube. Oh God, and and that sort of quickly devolved mm-hmm. into, into uh, those brothers that I hate. What are their names? Uh, the Pauls, Jake, and Logan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Logan. not Aaron Paul. I like Aaron Paul. Uh, you know, it's like he so he gets grouped in with that sort of uh, nonsense, mm-hmm. and he's really an incredible comedian that happened to come from that world, and he could have easily, if he had been born in another year, come from any other way. And he's right. it's good to see him appreciated through this film, but through this film alone, we kind of hit hit on it. It's it's a time of life and a and a story that is not very often told. There's high school movies are a dime a dozen and kiddo movies are a dime a dozen and, and God knows college movies are a dime a dozen. And this sort of really impactful life, you know, I feel like I was in middle school 
for or junior high or whatever you want to call it, depending on where you're from, like for three years where I grew up, it was six, seven, eight, and it felt like 30, you know, and I was in high school for four years and it felt like three weeks. You know, there's something really particular about that time that, that just goes on forever. And it's so embarrassing and awful. And, and where again, I went to school, it was multiplied by. And what's odd, <laughs> what's funny about this is that Richard and I literally met in eighth grade. So well, you yeah. remember these times very vividly. Uh, we, we it was a, uh, my, my eighth grade year, Oddly, was two thousand one and nine eleven happened. Yeah. My eighth grade year, so I remember God. mine for a very different reason. And we had a trip planned to New York <laughs> that would be, they go on every year. They take the eighth graders to New York, and mine just happened to be nine eleven. And like they drove us by the like the cleanup and everything. Gosh. Like it was well, it even was weirder. Quite memorable. I was. An, I'm a year older than Kent, so I did that tri- same trip in May of two thousand one. And you stayed there, yeah. We stayed at the World at Trade the tr- Center at the hotel. Yeah, <laughs> uh, wow, jeez, three, three months before everything happened, and I and uh, yeah, so I it's it's uh, that time of life is, but yeah, Ken and I went to the school that was like borderline about to go out of business while we were in middle school, probably, <laughs> and uh, so like just like a lot of basement showers. Like if you were building a locker room to scare kids like this is where we have to shower <laughs> yeah in the morning. yeah yeah like yeah I, I won't even make the jokes i want to make but it, i mean it was just and then just acne and and awful and and just honestly like a prank like all middle schools designed to embarrass you um and so this so there's a lot of raw nerve around that time of everyone's life because no one feels good about themselves yeah and if they do they end up a huge loser right and so you know uh and so it's a raw nerve to build a film. It's crazy that not many people have done it uh, before. And also there's a lot of great little kind of MacGuffin-y things where, like, you can't drive yet, but you're kind of independent. Like, you can go to the movies and stuff with friends or whatever kids do now, and but can't get there without some sort right. of cooperation right. by your parent. It's this weird, literally, in-between period of your life. Um, so anyway, it... it enough about the stuff it's it's a i saw this like brian i I was like as soon as it was here i was there seeing it and i i luckily live next to the couple of the uh, indie theaters in 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 town and so it was easy for me and and it was it was like immediate i mean i was more pumped for this than avengers just because i i think burnham is a really important voice for what's funny is like he's getting grouped in with this voice of a generation that generation because he's like the older end of millennials or mid millennial or whatever the heck it all, however it all works out. But like, I just think he's sort of a voice that everyone should listen to, you know, whether you're 65 or, or 16 and he's, uh, and so it's always interesting when these people change into other mediums and and this movie did not disappoint. It's a fabulous film. Um, I love that it's a female protagonist, not for obvious reasons because there's not many of those, but it's just, I think it made him really think harder than if he had just written about himself in middle school. I think it's much yeah, more of a broader a piece, uh, broader piece of, of filmmaking because he just made that little change, um, that he's able to come into it from more of a third person point of view than, than a more traditional, I think most filmmakers would have been like, and it would have been still very good about a boy in middle school, whatever, but like it wouldn't have been as interesting or as, dangerous uh to not and do. also anyway, yeah. to also just a note on that just to call it eighth grade instead of like k 
Kayla's weird year or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. like just to quantify yeah. it as like, this is an experience that everybody has through the yeah. eyes of this person. Like you got sure. go into it knowing that it's about that time in your life rather than making it about just her. It's a, it's a ve- definitely a, a wide array of, um, appeal there for sure. Um, you have anything else, Richard? No, I'm I'm done on this round. We can we can we'll get a little, little back more around the circle. Yeah, um, just a couple of notes I have. Um, towards the middle, I got a vibe, but I'm really glad this movie this movie could have gone down this path and it really didn't. Um, so, of it teased it a lot of Napoleon Dynamite. Like I got a vibe somewhat in some of the scenes, but then I'm mm-hmm. but then. I just realized how much he did to avoid that stereotype, which is probably what he was thinking about the whole time. Is just kind of a odd character and a different way to shoot it and different music and um, and just had that sensibility um, sometimes. But the scene that there's a couple of scenes that won it for me, but the first one was um, the one tracking shot, um, actually to Dolly shot. Um, pulling back from the band, the school band, as they're playing on the stage, right? Yes. And they're playing oh the national anthem. And of and course, it's just, she plays the cymbals. Yeah. Oh, my and God. It's just a complete, backward. It's just a complete... Like, what instrument is she going to play? Oh, the cymbals. Oh, oh the gosh. Yeah. The complete uh, abomination of the national anthem from start to finish. <laughs> and, like, you can tell they're genuinely trying to play. Like, that's probably a real eighth grade band that he just is like, can you guys play the national anthem and let me film you, you know? And yeah, and just the reveal. That band director had a sweet ponytail, though, bro. You got to give him that. He did, and they're so into it too. They're trying so hard, <laughs> and it sounds so bad. And it's so they mean they mean right, right? Um, but yeah, just that, and then the reveal of her crashing the cymbals at the end was just perfect because it's always the most awkward kind of person that plays the cymbals, right? No offense to anyone, but that's a, it's a special kind of talent you have to have. Um, and personality, <laughs> apparently. Um, the other scene um, that I noted was a montage sequence of social media. Really liked that, where she's all on the different platforms and researching everything, doing the Tumblr. Just the ISO on her phone, scrolling through Instagram and liking every single thing she sees is hilarious. Because um, I don't, I have a little sister who's quite younger than me, and that's what she does. Was uh, you know like everything and comments on everything whether she actually likes it or not which i think is a very telltale sign of this generation's uh social media habits so that was good really cool montage there and how that was assembled i like that but um the one shot tracking shot of of following from her eyes as she's looking out the window of the pool party going down to the entire pool right in slow motion and everybody's oh, playing and everybody's jumping in the pool and that horrified look in her her eyes and then she tries to come out and can't get out the door. So she has to like squeeze out the door, which is hilarious. And then it just follows her from behind, like as she walks around the entire pool. I thought that was just a brilliant way to uh, go about that scene. And you really feel like you're her walking through that pool party. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's mm-hmm. judging her or thinking about her and just like what she's going to say. I thought that was um, pretty much the best way you could go about that, um, the way Bo Burnham did that and executed it really good there's more than just on the page you know that's a vision of here's how i'm going to shoot this here's how this is going to be revealed rather than just doing it through dialogue i think is is fantastic so anybody else chiming in on uh, memorable scenes there's a lot there's very memorable scenes in this movie the one thing i can say about this 
um, instead of some other movies we've done this year, like I remember every scene. Like I think I could chronologically say sure. what comes after what. Yeah. Um, and I think that's to its benefit. It's an hour and thirty minutes. Really trim the fat here. Um, another thing that really won me over is the relationship with her dad. But the fact that they don't mm-hmm. really go into the mom at all or mention it, um, I think that would be kind of a cliche to go down that road. Or, um, but it really made it about her and her father and their relationship, which I found very genuine and good as well. So, um, yeah. Anybody? Um, any other standouts from you guys? I think non-spoilery scene. Um, mm-hmm. I think the scene where she's scrolling on her phone and she's looking on her phone and listening to music and then you hear something mumbling and and then you realize, oh man, she's at the dinner table eating dinner with her dad. <laughs> <laughs> like, that yeah. was kind of a surprise because uh, you were in her world with her on her phone and then her dad's trying to talk to her and you're like, oh, yep, that's the teenagers nowadays. Not to sound old, but uh, I yeah. thought that scene was really good. That just mm-hmm. that dinner scene with her dad, it was just very Absolutely. naturalistic. It just really flowed, and their relationship was so genuine, just adorable. Yeah, I thought it was just opening with you get the her video, uh, her YouTube video with the 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 I don't know the blanket behind her and everything, and then the class superlatives, which is just like God, please stop doing that. That's the most, just the worst. Like that, that really, truly, yeah. <laughs> that is great for like two kids in the whole school and we just got to sit here through it for everybody else and just watching her face as, as she perks up and then just knows what's about to happen the devastation of being you know the class quietest or whatever she's like gosh it's so it's so embarrassing it's so rough and uh like i'm sure you you've always mentioned especially rachel you talk about how it's like kind of a universal experience and i i don't know that there's anybody that can watch that movie and that scene and not just be like oh my gosh and like start sweating like oh it's so it's so uncomfortable and nervous i hate this whole stupid thing mm-hmm. that we have to it's it's it was that's a but it was a great way to sort of uh set the table for what this whole movie is you know you get those two scenes you have the title card and now if there's any doubt in your mind what you're about to uh, to sit through for the next hour and a half, you, you that has been set aside, right? Like you, it's a very simple setup, and you you know what to expect from there. Um, just from a narrative standpoint, I mean, not from uh, directorial choices and and shots and and music and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's um, definitely kind of a movie about nothing in the Seinfeld way, you know, it's just totally kind of is. her day to day life happens. Yeah. yeah. It's in a great way though. In a beautiful way. Yeah. Um, she has a couple of friends or she tries to make that best friend, which is, um, you feel for her there when she goes to high school and has to meet Gosh. an older oh, man. person, an older, um, friend and wants her to be her best friend and, um, wants to meet boys and has these crushes on these guys and doesn't know how to play it. And, um, I thought, I mean, we can hit spoilers now. We're 30 minutes into this review. So spoilers coming up for 8th grade if you haven't seen it. But um, I thought what uh, the way Bo Burnham went about all that stuff, like um, her trying to seek out her sexuality, you know, Mm -hmm. that's a weird time in people's lives, you know, and the whole how far have you gone conversation and things like that and you know when the guy gets in the back seat of the car like the whole theater is just Gosh. like oh man yeah oh my god and you're just like you please get out of the car home. please get out of the car right yeah and yeah. Just that's begging ex- with her to get right. out of that car or oh, him or geez. something please don't let her get raped yes. right now or something you know yes. you're just you're just like praying for 
And that's effective filmmaking on every level. You care about the character, and it's an effective thing that he did to put her in that tense situation. Um, so that's as dark as it got. My one complaint with the movie was that we really never find out what, what happens with her and the guy she had a crush on initially. Um, that she was like when all the music would play when she would see him. Um, oh, Aiden. Yeah. yeah, nothing ever really happens from that. Um, so that might be my one, like maybe she gets a date with him at the end or um, something like that. But you never really find out. But she go, she ends up being with the, the geeky kid who was hilarious. And that yeah. scene with them in the <laughs> hot sauce packets or whatever was – that was Freaks and Geeks is what that reminded me of. That was a scene from Freaks and Geeks is what it is what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Um, greatness. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I like the ambiguity of it because that's it is such a slice of life and that things happen. But I think I, you know, you're right. It doesn't mean as a watcher that you're not uh, wanting for more or resolution. But as a as a uh, someone who respects the the artifice or whatever of it all, it's certainly uh, an interesting choice. I like all the choices you made. It made me. I just I, it made me really think about this movie for hours after I saw it, which is what mm-hmm. you want. Yeah, well, and I think too, can like I'm personally I'm glad we don't get any resolution on that because I think I think that ultimately just leads to another uh, another scene like the car scene, right? Like that just that mm-hmm. I think there's I think there's no way that 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 crush on on uh, Aiden. And the way that they have interacted up to that point where it doesn't turn into a second sequence where you're just like, please, absolutely, please let her. And, and so I, I felt like the, the the scene in the car with the older boy, that kind of it for me, at least I took that as like a stand in for all of these experiences. And and that's good because I could do have, not need that in terms of resolution. Time. Like I I could have even seen her going to him and saying, like, you know, when he asked her, like the. Yeah, awkward yeah. question in the in the uh, while they're watching the movie or whatever. Um, her going back to him and saying like, "I'm not down with that," or maybe mm-hmm. like a uh, maybe them meeting later and him being like, yeah. "Hey, we should hang out sometime," or even just something like that small. Like mm-hmm. there was nothing. It was just kind of a yeah. it, got, it was kind of left hanging. Maybe there maybe sure. there was something that that was there that they cut out or something. But that was yeah. the, maybe one plot complaint i could have this whole movie mm-hmm. is it like what happens with that kid you know but right that's very small right and you can also look at it as when she in the graduation ceremony when she follows him down the hallway and then turns at the last second and chews out uh the girl you can kind of look at that if you want to as which i chose to because i just want good things for this poor girl um you can look at that as choosing a different path of like i'm not going to pursue this anymore because mm-hmm. obviously this is a bad this is a bad situation so you get that that sort of very awkward but still uh, satisfying moment of uh, self confidence and and sort of not lashing out at but kind of just taking one step back towards or or squaring up with with the uh, the girls that had been mean to her and then you follow that up with the date with Gabe which is probably the greatest scene in the history of rom-coms i mean it was just so funny i was dying Szechuan sauce and yeah, all that te- yeah. team gabe all the way uh Always. and yeah especially Always. brazilian gabe yeah. <laughs> right right uh but yeah i i, I like the kind of ambiguity there or allowing you to um create or imagine what that 
how that played out in your own mind of like, okay, what, how, how do we want this to, how do I want that story to end? You know? Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like that shows what was more important to her. Like Mm, having a best friend was more important to her than having a romantic interest. And I agree with what you guys were saying. I think he really walked the line in terms of how far to go with all of that discovering your sexuality. And he really walked it well. He went about as far as you could comfortably go. Um, and still leave the movie not being scarred because um, that car scene was so so tense. Yeah. Um, it's all tense. Oh I mean, the t- the scene's tense with her when she breaks her phone because oh, I thought that was a genius le- move too by oh, Burnham to have her shatter her phone midway through the thing and it just shattered <laughs> because every eighth grader has a shattered phone. Um, <laughs> and so that was good. And then the banana scene when the dad walks Gosh. the whole like there are several moments like that, but I think it does walk the line kind of perfectly of not going too far inappropriate. Yeah. I thought the car scene was well, perfect on, okay, this isn't just at the line, but it's not crossing it, you know? Right, right. And I thought it was interesting that this movie's rated R, which is right. some interesting that a, an eighth grader's, an eighth grader's life isn't PG-13. An eighth grader's life is rated oh. R, according to the Motion Picture Association. Um, but yeah. I thought it was pretty appropriate. Like, he didn't, um, you know, he... he he was okay with the R rating. Um, maybe a parent would bring their 13 year old kid to it. I don't know, yeah. but there were kids. The in my they did a bunch of screenings because you don't have to adhere to the ratings if it's free. I think it's just purchase tickets. Oh, so like, okay. They did a bunch of screenings for young people to see it, mm-hmm. which was actually mm-hmm. I thought really smart viral marketing. Yeah. Oh yeah. One cool. of the more heartbreaking scenes in the film is I think it goes from the pool party. Or a very joyous moment in the movie, and then immediately to the dude gunning down guys in the school, and then doing the drill of the oh active my gosh. shooter. It's oh, like terrible. Yeah, everyone dude. just like gasps in the theater, and it's like, no, this yeah. is what act- they actually your yeah, kids are actually effing now. doing yeah. these drills in right. school right now. Yeah, and that's yeah. the sad reality of the t- of today. So I, again, I'm happy yeah. he said it in 2017, 18. Um, it's gonna. It's going to be a sign of the times for sure, and uh, it's it's definitely a satire in, in a way. But um, reminds me of Lady Bird as well yeah. from last year. Yeah, A twenty four as well did did Lady Bird. Sure. Yeah. There's a lot of Lady. Uh, there's a little bit of Little Miss Sunshine to it as well, just in the kind mm-hmm. of the quirkiness of of the character and the but not overly done, which I appreciated. I I think I kind of expected a little bit of extra quirkiness from the character and that's fine like i have nothing there's nothing wrong with that but it it would have been i think a little a little less genuine and a little more cliche to play that up to to make her eighth grade zoe deschanel instead of who she is and i I, i'm i'm i respect bo Bo burnham uh, incredibly for for kind of laying back off of that because i think it would have been very easy to to fall into that trap I thought it was a genius move as well for the screenplay, the just the choice of opening it with the YouTube video, her having mm-hmm. her series, and then her saying throughout the film, "I don't know if anyone's watching, but Ugh. if you are, you know, just her. She's just using that to vent and to to talk to herself to convince herself of things. Like she would hype herself up, right? You got to put yourself out there. You got to do it. You just got to be yourself. And then the next day, the next scene would be her doing, applying that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was a great natural way for them to 
bring those subjects up and to get an insight into her life and everything. And um, again, sign of the times. Kids have YouTube channels. <laughs> so funny. Before the movie, there was like a you know fun movie facts like on the screen, and it said director Bo Burnham. <laughs> researched eighth graders online for his new movie eighth grade i'm like that is the w- most embarrassing like makes him look like a pedo just spent years researching eighth graders online like that's all he did He's committed to it um but yeah hats off to him and um this one will be one we talk about later in the year for sure i yeah, think um, definitely yeah the dad burning the stuff i've got that scene written down too great scene, that was a great man. scene great scene uh, mm-hmm. I maybe for me that might be the best scene in the movie just yeah. because of the way that uh, uh, the acting is incredible on both of their parts but I think more than anything the way uh, Burnham built to that scene without it ever because you get like the my dad's a nerd I'm an 8th grader I'm super embarrassed by my dad he did some truly embarrassing things throughout the course of it but you do get that sense that they have a real connection that is just strained because that's what happens when your kid is sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth. I mean, that's just, that's the reality of it. That's always happens. And, uh, and then to kind of pay that off with, can you help me burn something? And then the sequence. And I thought that was perfect, perfectly well done. And, uh, if I wasn't already incredibly impressed with the movie as a whole, that scene alone, I think would have sold me on, uh, the virtues of the movie. For sure. Anybody have any final thoughts, final scenes they want to mention before we hit grades? Nope, I'm good. All good. All right. I'm going to give this an A+. Yeah, it's, it's an a, what about you? a for me. Yeah, A for me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yep. I expect it will be in my in my top ten uh, at the end of the year. And one that I, 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 I expect to see again before the end of the year – um, having spent more time kind of uh, ruminating on it and really thinking about it. Whereas some of the other movies that we see that I really like and maybe even give higher grades to, I kind of think by the time we get to the end of the year, we'll be like, yeah, it's not quite as good as our, as it was in first blush. This is one that – I think this is one for the ages. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. very impressed. This one's going to play very well on the screeners and such too. I think yeah, this one's oh, going to be – this is the yeah. best picture nominee in my opinion. Yeah, as of oh, today. I, I yeah, totally. What about uh, you, Rachel? Yeah, for me, it's an A+. Um, I'm with you guys. I'm thinking, like, Oscar nominations for this movie. Definitely, I think, original screenplay. It should be nominated for. I know we have to see what other movies come out. Like, most of the Oscar movies haven't come out yet, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but original it's screenplay... I Exactly, exactly. Or the Meg, not sure if that's going to make it. Um, but original screenplay, maybe Best Actress. I know Best Actress is a little bit of a weaker category, but maybe Elsie Fisher could slip into that. And I know Supporting Actor is always a really strong category, but I don't know. The Dad was really solid. Um, so I guess we'll have to see what performances the rest of Oscar season brings. But yeah, A-plus for me. Arby. I'm going to go... Torn between two. I'm gonna go with Brian. I'm gonna go A, but I might I might bump it up to a plus as the year as I. Oh, this is tough. Yeah, I'm gonna go A. I'm gonna go solid A. But it's like a ninety-six. Oh yeah. Well, good job, Bo. Keep doing what you're doing, Playboy. Chase that money, okay? 
All right. That's right. Let's uh, move on. Sorry. Gucci. Super Gucci. Gucci. Yeah. Um, I've got some, actually got some comments from uh, the patrons that I want to get to here. Um, I've got to pull it up on my other browser. I have two browsers open here. Oh, humble wow. brag. God. Wow. Oh, yeah. bitch. Somebody can afford you, two browsers? You roll with the Firefox and with the uh, wow. with Google Chrome. Wow. Yeah, you can do that, you know. You know. Wow. I think you got to have like platinum card to be able to do that i can't i can't afford <laughs> firefox no way i can't afford no. firefox mm-hmm. um my computer only has internet explorer that's ie5 for yeah. life right awesome <laughs> well i want to get to some comments from uh some of the vips who chimed in on eighth grade and uh i want to see what they had to think uh dimitri says gucci that was what he thought <laughs> um nathan says the car scene was one of the most intense and well done of the year i could hear the gasp and feel the tension in the theater when it happened same Kristen dowler says bo burnham picked up on the nuances and made uh that make middle school in general such a difficult time while making it relatable to both young adults and kids today one of the best moments is the pool scene where he shows all those kids awkward little weirdos but it's only kayla who's self-aware enough to feel self-conscious about it <laughs> that's a good point that the, everybody in the pool is already a weirdo and why is she feeling weird about being around weirdos too that's a good point um she said she's excited to see what Bo will do next in terms of filmmaking and writing same Amelia went with a group of friends age span 22 to 30 they're all able to connect deeply with the events on screen it was remarkable how Bo made a film that while featuring modern teen problems spoke to everyone in the theater I agree good job Megan Megan Spell, friend of the show. She says it's one of her absolute favorites. It was an A+. She's astonished how relatable it was, despite the fact that it's been over a decade since she was in eighth grade. Also gave us her favorite character in modern cinema. <laughs> and Melissa, rounding it out, says this is definitely one of my favorite movies of the year. It was really an emotional roller coaster for me, which really simulated being an adolescent. I love watching the relationship between her and her father, watching them struggle. I have to mention that car scene. So incredibly well done. You could feel all the female energy room tense up uh, when that scene happened. Just an amazing movie. Stands out in so many aspects. Couldn't agree more. High praise for 8th grade. And um, definitely going to be one we're talking about later on in the year. But let's move on and let's hit that weekly recommend. Boom. Boom. Weekly recommends. Okay, Rachel. You've got a recommend, I understand. Yes, I do. Um, I'm going to recommend a poster from popchartlab.com. Yeah, my jam. Yeah, for sure. So what they do is they find a way to display information in a visually interesting way. So I'm recommending their poster, 100 Essential Films Scratch-Off Chart. So what it is, is it's a large poster with 100 thumbnails of movie posters. And part of the mini movie poster is obscured by some silver foil, and you scratch off each mini poster as you've seen it, and it reveals the entire movie poster. It's so cool. I have it framed in my home without any glass, so as I watch these movies, I can just scratch it off, and it's really cool. And a side recommend is they also have 100 essential novels. So I'm basically working through both posters. And for completists, it is really satisfying to scratch off, uh, scratch anything off. It's great. Yep, so that's my recommend, 100 Essential Films. It's awesome that you got to scratch off MacGruber today. I'm so excited. I know. I'm thinking about, like, I don't know, (laughs) asking him if they can make an addendum to the poster because I keep looking. It's not on there. Yeah. I love Pop-Tart Lab. Like, I have to... 
I, as someone like I have a lot of uh, gig posters and things like that and and basketball art on my walls and I have to not follow Pop Chart Lab on Twitter because I will it's like the one thing that I will uh, I'll buy spontaneously. I'm very plan plan out, spend money very wisely, but I see oh cool like all the soccer clubs of of uh, England got to have that. I don't even have room to put it anywhere, but I will buy it. So that Pop Tart Lab is awesome. Great recommend. Good stuff. All right. Very cool. I wasn't familiar with them. Now I'm I'm spending a lot of money tonight. I've seen the one. They have, um, they have a coupon going see, online right now for Labor Day, like 25% off. So it's oh, not that bad. I think it's like 35 bucks or something. It's not that bad. Nice. I've seen the one that's got all the uh, Jordans. I think my friend. Yeah. Yeah. I have one that's like uh, sneakers through the years. I'm like the Chuck one, Taylors all the way through. Like There's one kid that you'll like that's just all the Mavs jersey since 02. <laughs> so there's three? Wow. Nice. And sick. They're, they're, they still hold up, too. Let me tell you. Yeah. Classics. <laughs> well, that's a good recommend. Brian, what's your recommend? I'm going to recommend a series uh, that streams on Amazon Prime. Uh, I know you guys have watched the All or Nothing football series of the mm-hmm. past. Cowboys were last year. We got to see Richard and I played a game where we just tried to spot Kent in every episode. Uh, 453 <laughs> times. It was, wow. was impressive. Hey. Yeah. You're welcome. Very impressive. I'll get my uh, so check a- any day, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They have several football series, uh, and they just released last week, I think, the first one that is soccer-based. So it's all or nothing Manchester City. Yeah. Manchester City yeah. is the, the best uh, best soccer team in, in England. They won the league last year um, and very had a pretty good chance at winning literally every game that they were in and cup that they competed in and stuff. It's, it's fascinating. So if you like like hard knocks or, uh, the all or nothing football ones, it's, it's the similar, it's a similar style. Ben Kingsley is the narrator. He's got a great voice for, for the whole thing. And, uh, I, I know I recommended hard knocks like a week or two ago. This is the exact opposite of that when it comes to the coach. This year with with Hard Knocks, the Browns with Hugh Jackson, it takes like three seconds to be like, oh, that guy's not a good coach. I see why they're going to be terrible for the rest of the time because this guy's a, just an awful coach. And then uh, Man City's manager is the exact opposite, Pep Guardiola. You, it's It takes about a minute to be like, oh, I get why. I get why he's so successful and why all these guys play for him because he's he's incredible. So it's like eight eight episodes it's very compelling and they do a very good it's similar to hard knocks it's it's a very good job of cutting those episodes together and making them interesting i think even if you're not super into soccer um they do a really good job with it so check that out all or nothing man city on uh on amazon prime good stuff richard yeah i'm gonna do it's uh it's fun time of year i'm gonna i i I was sitting here trying to uh, think of something else because I didn't get there in time because Brian did sports and I didn't want to do double sports. But uh, but uh, it is it is college football season. And so I highly recommend there's a new podcast out on college football on through the I believe the ringer that Ryan Russillo is doing. That's uh, going to be there's not a whole lot of college football podcast out there. And I enjoy the, the football of the college. And uh, so that's going to be a, uh, a big hit and fill a real need. So I think it's called Dual Threat. Uh, it's got pro in it as well, but I highly recommend any college football content online because I always am looking for it on the athletic and other places. And just no one's really fitting that niche right now, filling that niche right now. So hopefully this will be it. Kent, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to recommend a movie um, 
that's out right now. I saw it before I saw Eighth Grade. Um, it's called Blaze, and this movie is written and directed by Ethan Hawke, future American mm. treasure Ethan Hawke. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. This movie is totally up the alleys of Brian and Richard, I know. Um, yeah. Probably a lot probably of our friends. Too. It's um, Ethan Hawke writing and directing. It's a life of a musician named Blaze Foley, who is a precursor to the Willie Nelson, Merle Haggard style of country music mm-hmm. and um, an influence on them. Very well done. Um, lots of great music. Aaliyah Shawkat plays um, Blaze Foley's wife, girl, and she is fantastic in it in a dramatic turn. And um, this guy that plays Blaze Foley is unbelievable. Ben Dickey. Um, really good movie, Brian. You would t- yeah, totally be into this. It's total Jason Isbell mm-hmm. you know, style music pretty much throughout the whole thing. And uh, really well shot and done. Um, some American treasures show up. Let's just say um, – let's just say – let's just say um, – just to get you guys, I won't tell you the context, but uh, let's just say Steve's on, and okay. Sam Rockwell show up at points in the movie. Oh, so you sold you, you yeah. got me. And they're not yeah. they're not they're not mentioned anywhere in the advertising, but Chris Chris it makes it worth it. Too, who probably yes. should be. In yeah, show there's that. a great um, actor that plays Towns Van Zant. I can't remember his name, but he's a big time player in this. It's kind of a biopic. Charlie Sexton. Yes. Yes, that's his name. Um, it's kind of a biopic, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels kind of mm. like Crazy Heart in a way where it's very natural. It's not doing the cliche scenes, montages, things like that. Um, really, really well done. Blaze. Awesome. I don't know if yeah, it's man. out um, wide or anything like that, but it was in Dallas. If you can see it, check it out. Ethan Hawke, um, hats off to you. This is a, this is a great um, experience and – might be on my list later in the year as well. Blaze, nice. check it out. Really good, really good double feature there. Probably the best of the year for um, for that. Okay, thank you for joining us, Rachel. You were fantastic. You are welcome back anytime. And Thanks, thank it was you, a blast. Thank you so much for uh, great job, Rachel. Flexible schedule and all that, and um, working with us because we are unbearable. Well, <laughs> where can we um, find you, Rachel, online? Um, well, I'm not in eighth grade, so I pretty much only do Facebook. Um, so you can find me on Facebook at Rachel Save. That's S-A-U-V-E, Rachel Save. And I will friend you back if you friend request me. Word. What about you, Brian? You can find me on the Twitter at Beagle12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Uh, Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on uh, the social media. Uh, Richard, Bar- you can find me on Peloton. At Richard Barden, if you want to work out together, been doing that for the last six months or something. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, we can we can we can work out together and challenge each other and fun stuff. And uh, you can find me at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and all that good stuff. Kent, where can I find you? You can find me online at Kent Garrison on Twitter and uh, Instagram and Snapchat as well. And uh, subscribe, tell your friends, leave us five stars on iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform you want to, and. Um, Next week, I believe we're talking about. I just looked this up. Operation Finale. Oh man, I want to do. Uh, um, yeah. I want to do a Happy Time Murders, but I guess. <laughs> well, 
could do that for your solo episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that might be a good one. The reviews one. on that were so good. There's so many just like scathing, angry reviews. Uh, I was I and I and, and those I are only about Melissa movie. McCarthy too. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, I rarely read a movie review before I see a movie, but since I'm never going to see that movie, I I highly enjoyed the. Uh, the the just the dragging that took place through the through the reviews. Can't this believe week. they got a theatrical release. That's unbelievable. Okay. Oof! Wow. Okay. Yeah, we're going to be talking Operation Finale, I believe, next week, pending um, something dramatic. But until then, we'll see you at the cinema. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya Those salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.